Hello everybody and welcome back to the Catch Kate podcast. This week we are on episode four of season three and we've been as usual on our adventures around Ireland and abroad um, as well as some much needed nature tips and tricks. <laughs> um, so today I'm actually going to venture uh, to France. Um, I've been to France like a bazillion times as well as living there, working there and totally immersing into the way of life there. Um, so a lot of connections there all over the country and yeah like having I suppose studied it in uh, college at first as well when I did linguistics. Um, <laughs> I know on my social media um bits it does say uh that I studied environmental science but that was uh the second time I went back to university so the first time I went I went and studied um languages and culture and phonetics and yeah I had a year abroad um actually where I went to Belgium um and that was an amazing adventure and then following my university degree, I went to France for um, a school year. So I taught um, in schools over there and I did loads of um, travels and adventures and met so many gorgeous people and just really immersed with the French uh, culture and the people and the way of life and the art, all of it. And of course, the food. Oh, my God, the gastronomy. Like you'll never forget it. Um, so yeah, so let's go there today. And also I'll share some bits about the bees, the trees, no, the bees, the trees, the birds, um, uh, just some nature bits and, um, what's left of my growing and yeah, some bits on well-being. So yeah, as usual, I will just say a big thank you to my patrons who support the podcast every month and super grateful for you guys. You are one of a kind. No, really, I, I can't actually do this without you. I can't produce this work. So thank you as always. And if you can support, you enjoy my work and you're getting something out of this, please, please consider supporting Um, because, yeah, it's really important uh, part of my week and I love to share and, and yeah, give you guys what you want, what you need. And yeah, it's just lovely to be able to create this community. And of course, I have a separate um, uh, link up with the patrons over on the Patreon website where there's behind the scenes. And even we've had a get together and stuff like that. So it is another community where we can actually be closer and share all things nature adventure all of that jazz so if you will if you can support please um go to patreon.com slash catch kate and i would love to meet you um and as always actually i should just add like if you can't afford a patreon subscription if you can't you can also do like a once-off uh, donation um if you have been listening throughout the year and would like to give something back um so thank you and let's get going on the adventure. So I finished up college um, in Cork and I had studied French and German 
so the French had called me more than the German to be honest um, I really enjoyed German it was good very structured very uh, sometimes very rigid uh, learning the language um, and I did love the culture as well but there was something about the French the Latin the ease the flow the I don't know there was something that pulled me there I suppose English as well being Germanic um, coming from Germanic I suppose I wanted I always wanted a bit of the opposite you know something that would really interest me and entice me and that's as well why I headed for Latin America I was like oh my god like the Spanish the Latin the vibrancy the flow everything about it was so different to the the Germanic or the Celtic upbringing you know or, or the roots of my ancestry um so it really pulled me, you know, and obviously as well, Latin America for all the uh, UNESCO and the Barrier Reef, um, more importantly. But the Spanish obviously was another, the Spanish culture and history also like drew me, you know. Um, so I headed for France. I think I was like uh, 21, I think, when I went there. Um, and I was really scared. Like I'd already done the year in Brussels when I was like 19 and that was scary. But then this time I was like, I knew like one girl at the time I went to Belgium. So I felt a little bit more at ease knowing like one person, <laughs> even though it was still as scary as hell, because like I didn't even have French at the time. Um, so it was still like really scary. And I went to this um, translation and an interpretation uh, institute for the like for the EU. And it was really scary. Like I had no idea the first few weeks I was in the classes and they were speaking French, they were speaking Flemish, German, because they have a few different national languages in Belgium. So I was totally out of my depths. I had no idea what was going on, you know. So I suppose for me, always I've really delved into the discomfort of not having comfort you know and it's 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 allowed me to grow massively like you know so I've always been okay with feeling a bit lost like not really but you know it's it's allowed me to really propel in self-development um so I was getting ready for the trip to France I knew I had already gone away before but I was still absolutely bricking it and I remember before I went um I've been in touch with this guy, Pascal, who was my coordinator for my schools. Um, so I was going to be working in different schools for the French Education Education Board um, in northern France. Um, yeah, and so everybody was like, why didn't you choose southern France? Because you could put in like uh, certain areas that you'd like to actually work in. And I chose northern France because I thought, like, as funny as it sounds, I actually had a massive fear of flying like massive I would cry on flights I was so afraid and now I can just you know hop on a plane and I'm fine but I had a huge fear like that it would stop me from traveling you know so like you know your fears are really there to be embraced but um I had to get over it like you know but that was why initially I chose northern France because I thought oh look sure look I don't need to fly I can get the boat over um so I got over that anyway after a while I had to learn how to fly alone but it wasn't um it wasn't easy like I had to do CBT which is like cognitive behavioral therapy to actually rewire my thoughts and all my thinking around it and how I had irrational thoughts of um the worst case scenario on the plate and all this bad stuff that could happen and eventually I got through that and I, I created I suppose 
new thoughts in my brain of how everything could actually go right. The real facts about flying and planes and how they go smoothly every day. But honestly, I was so scared um, for my first flight. But, you know, I got over it and I did it and it was fine. And even consequently, like a couple of years later, when I flew to Singapore the first time, that was like a 15 hour flight. Oh, my God. Like, it was crazy. Um, So it's just really interesting to look back and look at all our fears and how we've overcome them. Because, like, if I weren't talking into this microphone to you guys right now, I'd actually would have forgotten that now. But, yeah, I remember even that Singapore flight. I was terrified, terrified. But I survived, as usual. Um, So, yeah, so I chose northern France and I went to a region known as Amiens. And the town was called Beauvais. Um, So it's actually about an hour from Paris on the train. And it was a real like agricultural, quiet place. Uh, My schools were uh, out in another little area called Clermont de Loise. Um, And it was a beautiful, beautiful place. Very quiet, um, very countryside. Like it was perfect for me to really delve into French life and lose myself you know but the weather was like Ireland so like there was no difference there but the culture was it was a real immersion it was just perfect um so I worked in three schools there I was supposed to work in four but I think they realized that four could have been maybe a bit much um for me and um my bus journey every day was about an hour so it'd be an hour going and an hour coming back and I'd be teaching all day long then so it was really um it's quite exhausting, you know, um, especially like when you're with kids all day long. I like kids are lovely, but teaching all day long can be taxing on the brain, you know. Um, it depends as well if you're more introvert or extrovert. Uh, I definitely would be better um, with less people. Um, so that ended my teaching career. No, I didn't. No, I still love kids and I still love teaching and I've taught um, drama as well and stuff like that. But just that um, full days of many, 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 many classes of children can be really uh, exhausting. Um, but it was totally worth it. And I absolutely loved it. And everything I could share with those kids, like I, I literally opened their eyes to the world. You know, they they brightened my day. I brightened their day. We just got we just became to like love our classes and our my visits. And it was just amazing. And the kids used to ask me like, Maitres, they'd call me and they'd be like, do you do you arrive in school every day by plane? And I'd say things like, yeah, I do. Yeah. And yeah, it used to make me laugh, you know. Um, and they were wonderful kids, really. Um, and by the end of the year, their English was unbelievable, and they all had Irish accents. It was so funny. They'd be like one, two, three, four. Oh, it was just so funny. Um, and they just replicated everything I said, like especially like the five, six, seven-year-olds. They were amazing. Um, and I even got to teach them Irish dance. Uh, so like can imagine like one school in the middle of nowhere in northern France we were all dancing in the yard um, Irish dance like with me it was so funny and we got pictures and they had never seen Irish dance in their life and they were like looking at my legs like they were 
they'd never seen anything like it. You know, they couldn't get the hang of the movement. It was just so funny. Um, and I remember even like my first day, I was like, where are the kids gone? And it was like, you know, about, I think it was like half 11 or 12. I couldn't, the kids weren't in the school. And I was like, where are the kids gone? What about class? And the teacher was just like, oh, you know, the kids, they're gone, like they're gone home. And I was like, what? Because like in Ireland, we don't have that where kids go and leave, you know. So um, basically they were gone to the canteen for their three course lunch. I was just like, what? Seriously, like this kids would all leave like on these bus, like they would go to a canteen, they would have proper lunch. Like the French really respect mealtimes and food. And it's one thing I really, really took from there and I still use. And I just love how they treat their mealtimes and how they share meals and, in, in you know, indulge in them and really appreciate food. Um, because I find in Ireland, like, we could be very quick to, like, devour our food or eat fast or not appreciate it, you know. And it is, like, a sacred thing, like, to sit down and have a meal and share a meal. Um, but I think as well, like, our ancestry here has a big thing to play because obviously only a few generations back we would have had the famine. And the famine has had a massive impact on this country um, in terms of how we relate to food and food scarcity and how we survive the, f- like, not all, like only some survived this famine, but obviously my ancestry survived it. Um, but some didn't, you know, and people who were weak died. Um, and a lot of the stronger, I suppose, people or people who had access to food could survive, you know. Um, so, yeah, and, and how now our food and how we relate to food can be impacted by that and how we just maybe we still have that scarcity mindset built in of like oh my god there's no food we need to eat fast you know but that's not true um and as well like meal times here when I've worked in corporations like they'd literally be less than 30 minutes and I found it ridiculous I actually was like this can't be right like because when I lived in France we'd have two hours lunch and we'd proper sit down we'd have you know our entree like it's just amazing and our lunch and then like our dessert or whatever and proper like relax digest um and there's no none of this rushing you know um so it's really something I appreciated from there and something that I've brought back with me and I still use today um so I suppose a little tip would be like next time you sit down and have your meal like really engage with it like really take the time to prepare it, to cut it, to be mindful, to eat it slow, to allow your body to digest it. Because um, it's not meant to be a rushed process, you know, um, even though like we have this emergence of fast food, like it shouldn't be fast at all. It should be slow. Um, and I think as well, that's why there have been so many like digestive kind of disorders or gut issues come out it's because we're rushing everything you know um and yeah so the kids used to kind of disappear at lunch um and I just used to always wonder where are they gone now and then like even the babies that come back in and they'd have their beds out and they'd go for a nap and I used to be like what where are they gone um and they'd all be gone to bed in the room. I was just like, oh, it was too cute, too cute. How they'd all go to bed. And I'd be like, this is like an amazing uh, setup, 
you go off for the canteen, then you come back, then you go to bed. I was like, does this happen like in every school? Um, so it was amazing. Um, and yeah, so I spent um, the school year in this area. And while I was there, I met some lovely girls from all around the world who were teaching in schools as well. And um, yeah, just loads of different English teachers from England, from Australia, United States um, and everywhere. Canada. Um, one of them actually is a patron of the podcast, Anna. So thank you, Anna, for, you know, for our meet up in France and for getting to know you and then becoming a patron on my on my podcast. That's amazing um, that I've made these connections. So um yeah just amazing girls I met and we also lived in like this foyer des jeunes travailleuses so like it was like a female worker residence so it was all like young females inside there so that was really nice as well um only funny thing was like men weren't allowed in there and you'd have to have a fingerprint so it was really strict you know um it might sound a bit backwards now me saying it like uh but it's kind of funny uh no men allowed um and yeah, so I lived there for the year and I used to venture into Paris. I used to venture all around the country. I used to take the TGV, the fast train, it goes to all the Christmas markets. And yeah, it was a lovely experience. It was difficult. It was very difficult at times. Um, just being away from home, um, different things like that. And I suppose being on a low income, um, it was hard. It was hard, but um, it all went smoothly. The nightmares I had before I left didn't come true. I had night. I was having nightmares about schools, like where I would end up, who I would, where would I be? Would it work out? Would it be just, you know, uh, would I be landed in the middle of nowhere in a horrible place? You know, and everything just, you know, our fears are there 99% of the time. They're not even true. They're just there for protection. And we just have to lean into that, that that's all they're there for is protection. Um, yeah, so let me take you now around some of the places I visited in France. One of my favourite places I visited was a town called Annecy. And it is down in the southern region of France, um, very close to Geneva. And actually, when I was there as well, I went into Geneva, uh, very expensive um that's a lot of what I remember is how expensive it was in Switzerland but Geneva is a or Annecy is amazing um it has like these snow-capped mountains the Rhone Alps and then this massive lake um castles uh cathedrals like it's just amazing I stayed in a hostel um, and loads of these like winding cobbledy streets with the most amazing food you can imagine. But I stayed in this hostel, I remember, outside of the town, like way, way out in this really quiet area. And it was like really up on top of a hill. And it was right in front of the mountain peak and the lake. And like you can swim in the lake, you can kayak in the lake, you can do these kind of um, wakeboarding where you're kind of up on a surfboard thing and a boat pulls you, all that kind of stuff. But it was amazing. And it felt so good to like get out of northern France and go down and see something different like mountains and lakes and all of that. Um, but it was so nice there. And then you'd have all these like 
I suppose in the cobbledy streets, you'd have all the river, the lake uh, water running through the canals. Just so, so, so pretty. Um, but yeah, if you're looking there online, have a look at um, Lake Annecy and just see how beautiful it is. It's an amazing place. So um, definitely, if you're going to France, pop that down on your visit list. Another place I visited, which I loved, was Bordeaux. Uh, Bordeaux is the wine growing region, as we know. And again, it's more down south. Um, and it was just just an, a beautiful experience there. We, at the time, actually, do you know what? It was my first time doing couch surfing. And I went down with, actually, Anna, who, who I just mentioned, the patron on the podcast. I went down with Anna and... Um, we stayed with a lovely lady called Jen, who's a surfer, masseuse. Oh, she was so nice. And I remember like she told us where the keys were for her apartment. And I was like, what is this? Like at the time, I mean, this was like nine years ago. So, you know, couch surfing now to me, I'd do it like not a bother, like and be given the keys or, you know, but like at the time I was like, what? She's just leaving her keys outside the door. She doesn't even know who we are, you know. Um, and we got the keys, went in. I remember we met her dogs and nobody in the house. And I was like, how does this lady trust us? What? She trusts us to come into her house and not just take everything. You know, obviously we, we wouldn't. But, you know, you have to be pretty open, pretty trusting. Um, and she was. And she was such a lovely girl. And we're still connected online now as well. So that's amazing. So, um, yeah, I remember the following day she gave us a bedroom. We had like a kind of a floor mattress and we slept there together and it was great. Um, but I remember the following day, then she invited us out to the vineyards and it was amazing. She drove us around for the whole day around all these amazing vineyards. And we got to wine taste. We got to see the most gorgeous chateaus like these tiny little I don't know um castle houses uh, just amazing we got to bring home like you know like these exquisite tasting bottles uh which were amazing um and of course the food there as well is amazing like if you're into oysters or they have a special type of mushroom there as well and of course the wine um and they have another type of lamb as well, which is which is grazed up on the hills out there, like really uh, unique and ta- like tasteful cuisine, you know. So Bordeaux was just beautiful and totally different again from northern France, like going down south and just watching and watching and watching all the vineyards and the houses and the open land spaces and tasting the grapes and lovely we also went to the wine museum which was quite insightful as well and we got to go like underground into this kind of cellar area and yeah it was just looking at the aging process and yeah it was it was really amazing it was really cool so another place in France which I loved was Carcassonne um, I, I actually don't know how to squeeze down all the places like there's so many um, and I really took advantage of the high speed train to go all around the country but Carcassonne is down the south as well and it's a citadelle so it's like a fortress so it was actually a border fortress back in the day between France and this other kind of empire and it's like this massive castle 
and fortified walls on a hill. It's absolutely incredible. And I went there with another friend who was also a teacher at the time. And we stayed in the most cute B&B, like really old, really like chic. And oh my God, I'll never forget the breakfasts. We used to get like croissants up to the bedroom and they were like, the croissant was like the size of, it was so big, you know, like imagine the size of your keyboard. It was like that size. They were huge and really buttery and like with a bit like with nothing like or with jam or something. It was just I'll never forget it. And some coffee. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It, they were, it was amazing. Like I still even to now, I still remember those croissants <laughs> from Carcassonne. I'm like, who made them? They were amazing. And that was one thing about France as well, that like you'd get up in the morning for to go work in school and like you'd be going to the bus stop and you're like, oh my God, my mouth is drooling. Like you better eat your breakfast before you leave because all the pastries, all the smells, you know, 6, 6 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. coming out. It's just amazing. It's just incredible. Um, they really love their bakeries. They're um, amazing. Um, and yeah, um, Carcassonne was just a beautiful place so definitely add that to your list as well if you're going down south and actually that reminds me as well of the smells like when we used to go into Paris um, we'd take like some day trips in like the tickets were really cheap for us because we had student kind of tickets um, and we used to like visit like these famous pastry makers bread makers cake makers like stuff that would be on TV like you know like and the pastry like the detail in the pastry, like they'd have these like pastries up on the the windows where like they'd be like one pastry and everybody would be looking at it, like how delicate it was and how fine the textures were. And it's just it's another level, the bakery, the baking in France. It's another level. Um, so, yeah, so that was um, Paris and, and, you know, visiting all the museums there and. I suppose the Champs-Élysées, going to all the Christmas markets, um, really vibrant. And it was lovely for me because I used to come home at Christmas, uh, whichever country I'd lived in. And I'd always visit all the markets first and get all the delicacies. And, you know, the they have those sausages as well. Um, and I used to bring them home. They were really, really popular. Um, and just all different types of... Um, their food and artisanal products I used to just get and bring home and even their biscuits from the shops I used to bring home and sure we'd all be devouring them over Christmas then so it was lovely. So yeah folks those were kind of my main um, places in France that I loved there there are so many more but for today I'll keep it at that as I want to talk to you about something else. Um, I actually want to talk a bit about um, what we ingest and how it affects us because I gave up caffeine um mm, like a month and a half ago I'd say um and like I didn't realize how much it affected me until I gave it up um I just I was feeling like it wasn't really suiting me um and just like almost like this agitation like after I drink coffee and like I would do a lot of sports so normally I would follow Uh, caffeine intake with sport because it was just so powerful for me or like in the summer when I was working in the 
the tunnel or out in the drills or out in the garden, whatever, like it would be great because I'd have so much energy and power in me, you know, and, and for me, that's what caffeine does. Like, and I'm very sensitive um, to food and caffeine and sugar and all that. And I think the more clean you get with your diet, like that does actually happen, that the body just becomes very sensitive. And I'd been talking to another lady nearby who's a grower and she said like she only has peppermint tea and that's it. And I was like, what? No way. Like I couldn't believe it. And now like I'm just on tea as well, like just normal, like no caffeine tea, you know, like or decaffeinated tea. Or I've actually had decaffeinated coffee as well, which has been nice as a treat. But the thing was, was that yesterday, and this is why I thought, you know, I'll just share it. Yesterday evening, by mistake, I'm pretty sure I drank a caffeinated um, tea. I don't know how. I think my tea bags just got mixed up or something. And I couldn't really sleep. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this now. And it was crazy because I was so wired, you know, and I was like, I can't believe I've been off caffeine for this long and I haven't had this like buzz. And then I had it and I was like, whoa, I was so alert. I was so awake. I was so sharp. I was so tuned on. And like, we don't realize that when we're ingesting it every day. And I had been ingesting it for years and years and years without even like, obviously I knew how much it affected me. It did make me really sharp and not tired and stuff. But some people are like hooked, hooked and like, loads of cups a day and it really really does affect you and like how after I've given it up like I've been able to sleep like so deeply eight hours nine hours even now like there's been an odd couple of days where I've had 10 hours and I'm like whoa like and obviously winter is here as well so maybe a 10 hour one is like incredibly like uh rare but it was just I was like whoa like the sleep improves everything improves and it's just that like when we ingest things like that and we get our body habitually um, used to it, like our body adapts and it doesn't do its normal thing, you know, where it can wake itself up. Um, so I just wanted to share that, that like if you are on caffeine or coffee or whatever, just to become a bit more aware of like, like how much of it you're consuming and like how it actually affects you, because it does. And don't get me wrong, like I do get the craving for it and I'm not saying I won't go back on it um, because the buzz yesterday I got off tea. I was like, oh, my God, this is inc- insane. Um, actually felt quite good in a way. Um, but, you know, it is a drug like caffeine's a drug and we forget that and we're totally buzzed off it, you know. But then like you go to places like when I was in Asia, Taiwan and places like that, they dr- they drink like loose leaf tea, which is very calming and subtle, you know. But um, it's just been a major thing for me to stop it because I really thought I couldn't. And now when I get up in the morning, I actually just I wake up normally and I wake up with the sea as usual. I just get the ocean into me, around me, in my hair and, you know, seaweed, uh, all of that. So that kind of wakes me up now instead. So I suppose I'll talk a bit about the bees and the growing, uh, fill you in. Um, the bees are still very busy um, for winter. Um Today we've had lots of sun um, and yeah, they've been out and about, you know, 12, 1 o'clock, super busy. And I found loads of drones in one of the hives, which I'm trying to figure out why, um, because normally the drones are kicked out in autumn because they don't really have any more work to do. You know, they're there to reproduce and in the winter they're not reproducing like they're going into hibernation. So 
I'm trying to figure out why they're in there because it was so many and I was like what are you doing in there um and yeah that's my little quest at the moment figuring out this and also what was I going to say um I've been noticing as well some dead a couple of dead bees which is normal as obviously during the autumn winter the drones are actually kicked out and you can actually see that you know they 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 die or whatever so that's something else I noticed um and with the growing um everything has been slowing down but um my I got my last courgette this morning I think because I just I just saw like that loads of the plants I could see the leaves they were just wilting and I was like oh it's time to say goodbye but I still have potatoes I still have chili still have kale cabbage uh beetroot um what else cauliflower which is kind of it's kind of grown up to be honest um not grown up like an adult but um you know when they kind of um they grow up out once they've grown a bit too long so like you need you would have need to pick them at the right time which is grand you know um and of course onions um and eggs although my hens have gotten really slow at laying so I'm only getting a couple of eggs a day um one or two because they've gotten so slow they're after getting old and like normally farmers or whoever has chickens like it's kind of cruel but they would just leave them out like for the fox which isn't fair but like a lot of a lot of people do it like they don't treat them as beings um, on this planet, which is what they should be. I always say that I'm like, they're still my pets, like, you know, they're still they still deserve to be here, even if they're not producing anything. You know what I mean? And this is the ego mindset as usual, like get rid of it if it doesn't produce. And that's oh, it's the yeah, it's the man mindset we created on the planet, you know, and, and that's why nature is suffering because it's all about production. What can we get? What can we get? And instead, we should actually be looking at what can we give? What can we actually give? You know, and I think that's where we just kind of made a misstep, um, where our egos went a little bit the wrong way. Um, and I suppose actually a nice tip would be, you know, anytime now, like, when I go to the forest or wherever and, and we go there to find a soothing space or a calm space, a good thing to do is actually when you go to a tree and you put your palms on it and you connect with it, like a good thing to do is actually say to yourself, what can I give? You know, maybe that tree needs care, love, or maybe it needs your energy. Maybe it's suffering. Maybe it's in, you know, um, might need some good vibes. If you're not into it, uh, that's grand. But like, you know, don't ever doubt what energy can do and you know 90 like I've studied science like 96% of the universe is invisible uh matter so um yeah don't ever doubt what's not viewable um can be very potent um so yeah and uh, my veg box is still going if any of you are locals and listening in I still got um some bits growing uh but getting slower and slower and slower and yeah that's the joys of nature it's um hibernation time so it's time for us to rest rejuvenate and to really um see how we can rebirth for the following season and change up things because uh we need that nature needs that 
Um, I suppose the final thing I want to say is about my book. I have an online sale this week. So yeah, today is the 18th, it's Thursday. So I have the sale going on this week and um, it's online on my website. And I just want to say thank you to everybody who purchased um, from Ireland, to Chile, to uh, just around the world. I'm I'm beyond grateful and I'm so happy to be able to share my book, my knowledge, these beautiful places and just a new way of living and a new way of thinking. And it honestly just brings me so much joy that I can do that and even to just acknowledge my own courage for even doing the book because my <laughs> I wasn't going to do it due to my ego not wanting to share. But I knew I had to, you know, it was a scary thing, but I got there. So if you're thinking of writing a book or whatever you're thinking to do or travel the world or be alone, go out there and do it, just do it because you have it in you and you have those whispers that are going on and on in your head and just follow them, keep following them. You know, um, they're there to guide you. Um, so I just want to say thanks for that and for also I got a lovely message during the week from a girl called Tara um, lovely girl from up the country and she just she purchased a book and I was so grateful and she thanked me for um, sharing um, the journey and um, that it has opened her up to a new way of living and just the connection with nature and just for going after what she wants and living an authentic life so like you don't need to follow the masses. You don't need to follow all that nonsense because it's not actually serving anybody. Um, um, so yeah, so just believe in yourself and always come back to nature where you'll be centered, grounded and in a place of like like the right decisions that you need to make for your life. Um, yeah, so guys, I hope you enjoyed today. I hope you enjoyed France. It's an amazing place. Um, if you have any feedback for me or you'd like me to do an episode on a certain topic or whatever, um, I'd love to hear from you. Um, I love this community and I love that we can all share and be open to sharing and just the honesty and that's there as well. I just love it um, um, because obviously the corporate way and the economies that we're building and, and all this like subscriptions for mo- like movie sites ongoing, 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 like there needs to be other ways for us to share and educate and share rather than the normal, the norm, which isn't really serving us, you know. So just share as much as you can if you find this helpful with like-minded people because I'd love to get more reach and, yeah, and help nature uh, rejuvenate and regenerate herself. Um, So, yeah, that's my mission, guys. Thank you again to the patrons who are supporting the podcast. If you can support me and my mission, I would love um to hear from you um and would be so grateful um so that's on patreon slash catch kate um and yeah have an awesome day and have a wonderful weekend and i'll talk to you all very soon ciao